Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever, however you're listening. Thank you so much for working Go Long into your life. I'm Tyler Dunn, here with the soothsayer, Nostra McGinn, the prognosticating wizard that Bob McGinn is. Man, unbelievable, Bob. Uh, predicting Green Bay to take it to Dallas, putting himself out there when he wouldn't so much as predict on a, an exhibition game at the Milwaukee <laughs> Journal Sentinel. Makes makes his glorious prediction debut at Golong and, and hits the bullseye. I think the Packers were seven and a half point underdogs and just absolutely clobbered the Dallas Cowboys and this team that I think a lot of folks were thinking was good as dead against Tampa Bay when Baker Mayfield's posting that perfect passer rating. The defense is in shambles. Here they are, two wins from the Super Bowl. And uh, we're going to get into that matchup against San Francisco. But, Bob, any reflections on the prediction heard around the world? (laughs) Come on now, Tyler. You're way overdoing this thing. Um, yeah, that's right. I, I'm, I'm not allowed to uh, give you all this praise. That's right. I called out on that a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I got to check myself. So, Dallas is not an intimidating place. It's a spectacle with Jerry Jones. That team reflects him. They're not very tough. And as you can see, they got they had no backers. They had so no inside DTs. And they just got crushed in that department. Uh, the Dallas, well, we'll get into all this, but... Uh, yeah, they just got exposed. They were looking by Green Bay, I think, to a certain extent. And um, it's kind of Hollywood in Dallas. They're just – they're not a tough team. Their fans are just there to there for the scene, there to be a part of the show. And they're not really into helping their football team. And Green Bay just hit them in the mouth and kept on doing it. It's always hard for the talking heads to quantify everything you just said. You know what I mean? It's 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 easy to kind of sit there all week and look at that slant route that Dak hit CeeDee Lamb on with such precision. Look at Green Bay's defense. Pound away at the analytics, the numbers, and say, man, they're just going to light Green Bay up. And Jordan Love is a first-year starter. This is the youngest team in the NFL. Like every fact, every statistic, every like measurable quantity that you could like um, – hyperanalyze all all week tells you Dallas, but that's so true. Like there's something about Dallas and Jerry Jones and the infrastructure there. That, that That's why the, this, this team hasn't been to the conference championship game since 1995. You know, when I mentioned that to Brett Favre, his, his jaw almost hit the floor. He had no idea. He, he couldn't believe it's been since he played the Cowboys that they've been in a conference championship game. When you're the richest Franchise in all of sports in the world. Uh, there, there's something culturally there that is askew. Uh, <laughs> some would say morally corrupt, um, as as a former cowboy did in our uh, Jerry's World series that go along two years back. Uh, that that place is a, is a mess. Uh, it's you, you've got an owner just gallivanting you know, outside of that stadium, outside of the facility with, with the kind of uh, antics and behavior that if it's like any other owner, 
it's all over the news weeks on end but it's but it's jerry so everybody just kind of rolls their eyes and oh, that's jerry being jerry and surrounds himself with yes men injects himself into the draft room into the draft meetings absolutely has influence over the roster um that's why it's got to be so demoralizing and, and why jerry was so dejected right he called this maybe like the, the paraphrasing the worst loss that he's experienced in quite some time couldn't remember a worse loss because I mean, you you know that front office well, I'm guessing. Like, Will McClay, it sounds like, really did kind of have the personnel. You know, they've had some pretty good drafts. Jerry has restrained himself the last few years. Dak Prescott's playing like an MVP. C.D. Lamb racks up 1,700 yards. The, the, the Eagles just completely collapse. They hand you the division. It was all there for the Dallas Cowboys, and they just pissed down their leg. And... We should come to expect it from Jerry Jones. They're they're not going to win a Super Bowl. They might not even get back to that conference championship game as long as he's the owner. Fire, go through all the coaches you want. Um, he's the problem. Yeah, I don't disagree. You know that outfit, Tyler, your big expose two years ago. It was great stuff, and uh, you hit it. You called it correctly there. I mean, that's what's what's wild, too, is this Bill, last last point on the Cowboys. It's just because it is fascinating. Everybody's talking Bill Belichick, right? The, the, the memes are out of control. He's not going to Dallas. I, I think he was even the betting favorite. I mean, I would be flabbergasted if Bill Belichick took that job. When you look back at the relationship between Jerry Jones and Bill Parcells and just how how absurd it was. Uh, it, it drove Parcells nuts that he couldn't really have control of the team as he wanted. And we get into all that in the series that people want to read it. Uh, I, I cannot see Belichick, you know, a disciple of Parcells just going to Dallas with that owner. Uh, I mean, Jerry can, he can be as, as much of a used car salesman as he, as he wants and tell Bill everything he wants on personnel control and letting him do it his way. I, I wouldn't believe him. <laughs> I wouldn't believe him for a second if I'm Bill Belichick. <laughs> so McCarthy still has his job, right? As we speak. He does. Yeah, yeah. We're acting like he's like he's fired. But I I mean, as we record here, I'd be wouldn't you be shocked if he kept his job the way that Jerry Jones kind of let that one hang in the locker room? I guess so. He can control McCarthy without any problems. Um McCarthy did a hell of a job with that offense, Tyler. I mean, the quarterback let him down, but their old line was great against Green Bay in this game. It was. They pass protected. Man, did a terrific job. They have a running back. They got a great receiver. They have a good offense. McCarthy really, he's a good play caller. You can say what you want about the guy, but he had pelts on the wall in Green Bay, and I'm never going to take that away from him. Uh, The defense fell apart, obviously. Special teams were poor. You know, all those guys on the Green Bay, ex-Green Bay coaches on defense, Joe Witt, pass game coordinator, Al Harris is running the DBs, Scott McCurley's covering the linebackers. I wonder if those guys are going to be gone. But if Quinn stays, maybe Quinn gets a job. But after this, it's hard to hire him after this debacle. You just hinted at it, too. If if it is a new coach, it's going to be somebody that Jerry can control. I think we're conditioned to think he wants the big splash, but – go through all of his coaches since Jimmy Johnson, the Barry Switzer to Chan Gailey, Dave Campo, 
you know, Parcells, the one coach you couldn't control. I mean, there's all the friction and Parcells gets the hell out of there. Wade Phillips, you know, hell of a guy. He's not going to stand up to Jerry Jones and roll up a fist and slam the table. That didn't happen with Wade. Jason Garrett, he kind of knew how to maneuver the situation and make it seem like Jerry Jones is making the decisions when he really wasn't like he knew how to politic behind the scenes to still steer the team in a pretty good direction, I think. Um, And then Mike McCarthy, right? I mean, he's, he's looking for a job and it was kind of, it was kind of funny, but it kind of wasn't at his, remember his introductory press conference when he basically said he lied on his resume to Jerry that he watched every play of the Cowboys. He's like, yeah, I I wanted the job. I'd, not like I really did that, but I mean, he did the big special with NFL Network and ESPN. I mean, he that was uh, quite quite the movement to get Mike McCarthy a job. Uh, I'm just saying, I, I I don't think he's a coach that's necessary. Even as that quote unquote Pittsburgh macho, famously just put by Ted. You tell me, I, I can't see Mike just telling Jerry, "We can't do it this way. We can't do it that way." No, if it is a new coach, it's going to be somebody that Jerry knows he can kind of have his uh, control over. If McCarthy gets fired, he's got a better than 50-50 shot to land somewhere else. Yeah. I think he does. What is he, about 61 maybe, something like that? I don't know. Would he want a coach? Yes. Heck yeah. He's got the home in Green Bay. I don't think he wants to go back there. Yes, he wants to coach. Absolutely. He's won a ton of bunch of games, you know. He had a great year. And what did he admit after this game that he didn't have him ready to play? I never uh, I heard that. So, but I don't know so many that, words. I I didn't watch yeah. his presser in full. I'd have to uh, check that out again. Yeah, it was defeating. And Dak Prescott said, "Well, if you're gonna fire." Mike, you might as well fire me too, in so many words. Um, but okay, enough depressing Dallas Cowboys talk. Goodness, what a what a joke to let another opportunity pass by for them. But the Green Bay Packers had a lot to do with it. Uh, they took it to Dallas from the jump, taking the ball, going down the field. It didn't matter if it was Aaron Jones up the A gaps right into that soft underbelly of the Dan Quinn defense, as you foretold. Didn't matter if it was Romeo Dobbs on those in-breaking routes, in rhythm with Jordan Love, like they're throwing these passes in their sleep. It didn't even matter what Micah Parsons was doing. I think he had, what, like one pressure the whole game? Zach Tom just shut him down. Dominant, dominant performance out of Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers with colossal short-term and long-term uh, ramification. I mean, this just looks like a team. Maybe I'm jumping the gun here. I, I don't know. First impressions mean a lot to do that in Dallas, even if it is a Jerry environment against that kind of talent is it's a good reason to celebrate if you're Green Bay. Not that they're celebrating. I think they expect to go into San Francisco and win. You tell me, Bob, you want to make another prediction here? Why not, eh, Tyler? I got to go to I'm one and oh, I got to go to probably one and one now, Ty. All right. Um, so I, on the wild card round, whatever, I was five and one. I blew it on the Bills. What were you? Six and oh, Six baby. Six and oh? Oh, nice work, T. 
Six and up. Knox Decatur. You know what? And I got to blame Jim Monas, our uh, our resident gambler. He always tells me not to gamble, not to enter that world on our other podcast. And after this wild card weekend, I feel like I should have had a good feeling on these ones. <laughs> All right, let's go to the matchup out in San Francisco. So a couple general thoughts comparing Dallas and San Francisco. Uh, there's no intimidation factor when you go into Jerry world. I think there's a semi intimidation factor in Santa Clara, but still not much. All right. I think Dallas, as hard as they probably tried that they look by green Bay. I mean, they saw the last six tapes. You see the Carolina game, the giant game. They just kind of look by them. That's just the way Dallas is. The San Francisco will not be looking by anybody. Now you look at that great tape of green Bay. There ain't no looking by. We talked about Jerry Jones, his impact, and all this sparkle, and they just lack substance. Niners are different. They always have been. They're a tough football team. They're favored by what, 10? That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Cowboys were favored by 7.5. Or on offense, Dallas really has one wide receiver, Tyler. I don't like Cooks. I don't like Gallup. San Francisco has two really good ones, and – you could say they're the equal of Lamb. Lamb got a million targets, but you could say Ayuk and uh, Samuel are the equal of him. They got a great tight end, Ferguson for Dallas. He's okay, but he's no uh, Kittle. They got the best running back maybe in the business. He's a lot. Uh, McCaffrey's a lot better than Pollard. The quarterback situation. I mean, it's hard to argue with Purdy in 113.0. It's hard to argue with a guy. Now, I could see him laying an egg in this divisional game. I could. All right. The O-line, Dallas has a better O-line. In in predicting this, that's what I'm a little worried about. Trent Williams is all-world at left tackle. I've looked at that line probably 10 games this year. I don't know, McKivitz and Burford and Brendel. I just don't know, Tyler. Banks, I like him, the Notre Dame guard. But, boy, Green Bay, their rush failed against the Cowboy rush. They weren't – they were kind of nipping at Prescott, but there was no problem. There was almost no pressure. Uh, Gary got owned. He, I thought he was a real disappointment against Terrence Steele. Preston Smith didn't do anything until he had a finishing sack against Tyron. And inside, those guys weren't real good either. So they have to get after the Niner line. They have to really club Purdy. And it could happen. That's where the weakness is on San Francisco, I believe. Let's look on defense. Dallas's D-line interior, they're weak. They're weak. Hankins, Mozzie Smith, Gallimore, they just don't measure up. The Niners, they're brutally good. you got Armstead, Hargrave, and Kinlaw. I like Givens over the years. They stuff the run. They play it tough. They play it the way the game's meant to be. Dallas inside linebackers. How can Dan Quinn, Jerry Jones, and Mike McCarthy line up all season long with Clark and Bell after they lose Vander Ash? It was just like men among men against boys. It was a farce. Those guys can't they can't take anything on. San Francisco, great inside backers. I love Fred Warner. And this Dre Greenlaw, he's a tough guy too, man. Um, pass rush. Parsons, he's got a million sacks, Tyler. 
He's a front runner. He just is. He's this talented guy. I remember all the scout remarks about this guy coming out of Penn State. He's a front runner. I take Bozo over Parsons any day of the week. He's relentless. He's good. He's quick. He can beat people. Parson, their offense got ahead, and then he got a bunch of sacks, you know, against the NFC East. All right. Both teams, I think San Francisco's weak at safety. They lost their starter uh, at Huffanoa. That hurt them. They're not very good at safety. And I think they're, other than Chardarius Ward, they're kind of shaky at nickelback and corner. Uh, Dallas was better at corner. Special teams, Dallas got a better kicker. Dallas is a dumb team. I mean, the offsides and the running into the <laughs> punter by Sam Williams. San Francisco is a smart team. All right, final score. Niners 27, Green Bay 23. They beat the spread easily. It goes to the fourth quarter. And it's just a little bit better at all the areas we discussed. This is a really close game. 27-23. How do you see it, T? You want to say now or you want to think about it for a couple of days? It's got to say, a lot of these Packer fans listening were we're all ready for Christmas to come early again and hear <laughs> something much, much different from Bob McGinn. But that that may be an impenetrable argument. There's just talent everywhere. That's such a good point on the weaponry that, that the 49ers have. They've just got an option for everything. I mean, Christian McCaffrey looked like the MVP up until that Baltimore game, really. I mean, that was like the MVP bowl. You can throw a Purdy in there if you want, but just in terms of non-quarterback difference makers that can detonate at any moment, McCaffrey's been unbelievable. And you've got the best tight end in football, George Kittle. That's right. He's a lot more blood and gutsy than Travis Kelsey. And you've got Debo Samuel, just pound for pound. Man, you don't want to step into the ring with that guy. They can use him in so many different ways. Brandon Ayuk. I, for, I don't know what the number is, but his yards per route is one of, if not like the best in the NFL. Like he just maximizes his opportunities. I, you know, I don't really know how you stop any of this. I'll, I'll, I'll just make this argument. I think that the Packers have been in urgency mode week to week to week to week here. You know, since laying those eggs to the giants and the bucks like they, they've had no choice but to win now the panthers game was ugly too but offensively good defense almost gave it away but to play the way they did at minnesota against chicago at dallas i once again it's one of those things like how do you how do you measure it how do you like get your hands around it momentum i'm such a believer in momentum i feel like green bay has all of the momentum like they are they are a confident bunch. Like they, they genuinely believe they can beat anybody. Hell, like we said, you don't know what you don't know as the youngest team in the league. Uh, they're, they're not looking at this as house money. They're going there to win the damn game. And look at San Francisco's schedule. Like when is the last time they played a, a good team and beat that good team with their starters out there? You've got to go all the way back to December 3rd at Philadelphia when they won 42-19. Billy, as it turns out, since that point, sure as hell don't look like a good team. You go back even further, right? I guess they beat Tampa November 19th. 
Um, you know, a couple wins over Seattle in there. They're they're not a slouch, but n- not exactly murders row, and, and more so like Christmas night. They get beat up by the Ravens. Purdy throws all those picks. They, they beat a commander's team that's about to fire everybody that is any good. They have a meaningless game against the Rams, and they have the bye. I don't know. That's it's the debate that we could have for ages. Like, do, does the bye week help you, hurt you? I think it, at the end of the day, it helps you. You want you want to be healthy, but I don't know. So, something about Jordan Love, Matt Lafleur, the way this Packers offense is clicking. I feel like they're just gonna have answers for anything. I noted it in that column. There's somebody close to uh, Jordan Love, Bob, that called me. Uh, whatever it was, about 45 minutes after his presser and. You know, he's pretty excited and said that, you know, in a recent conversation he had with Love, Love said that he's confident he really does have answers for any blitz, any coverage. Now, this league can humble you pretty quick, and the, the Niners have a lot of talent on defense. They, they might, but I think that you know, he doesn't say much in his press conferences, and he doesn't even flinch much on the field. But I think in, in his own brain, Jordan Love is in a phenomenal headspace and thinks there's nothing that you could throw at him that he won't have an answer for. I mean, he's, he's spreading the ball out to everybody and they found the running game at the right time. I, I don't think they're going to have a problem scoring points, moving the ball at all in Santa Clara. I think the San Francisco will get theirs and I'll give green Bay's pass rush uh, a little bit of an edge. 34, 28 hackers. All right, key. There you go. 34, 28. You make a lot of sense, Tyler. Maybe. Let's go back to let's go back to 2010. You know they were going down to Atlanta, divisional round. They had won at Philly, um, and they destroyed Atlanta, the super team. They were the number one seed, if I do believe. That was six at one, I think. And um, but was that Atlanta, Atlanta team with Matt Ryan as good as this 49er team? I can't really remember, but that was a shocking. It was a forty-eight yep. twenty-one? They blew him apart, just like they did against. I, I Dallas. can see a game yeah. like that from Love, like the way he's playing, eerily similar to the way Rodgers was playing at the end of twenty ten. Same story, sneaking into the playoffs, uh, winning a road wild card game. But here's sorry to cut you off, Bob, but you just bringing up Aaron Rodgers made me think of the last few years. I mean, you you've written on this. It just seems like he gets into these playoff games and things get tight. He'd hold on to the ball a little too long. He'd pat, 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 try to make a play from what? San Francisco NFC Championship, Tampa Bay NFC Championship, San Francisco divisional round to the Lions game, which is basically playoff game. It was meltdown after meltdown from arguably the best player in, in the league at the worst possible time. Like, and, and, you, and when you broke that news in February this past year that Green Bay's moving on from Aaron, Jordan Love is Aaron 2.0 in their mind, which is freaky when you look at the highlights of him. He looks he looked like Aaron Rodgers 2.0. Still bookmarked bookmarked some some tweets of people going after you, Bob. Dementia Bob is what a few people called you. Dementia Bob. So yeah. Bullseye once again. That's kind of what got lost. Right, these 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 maybe Brian Gutekinds and maybe even Matt Lafleur said, "Enough's enough." Like we 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 can't have these seasons end this way with this quarterback playing 
just passive or apathetic or maybe it is tight, whatever it is. He's he's not loose and free and confident and pulling the trigger down the field. And that's exactly how Jordan Love is playing right now. The contrast in this one game anyways was night and day from the fourth quarter out of Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field against the Lions last year. So I don't, I don't see that stopping. I I don't see love all of a sudden throwing picks and misfiring like that. I I can't even picture that scenario. What percent chance do you see getting green Bay getting beat by 30 plus? What percent chance? Yeah. Five. Five 5%. Yeah. Things can snowball. It can. I suppose if they turn it over. But like I said, it what? So you, you've watched this this team game game in game out, play in play out. I I can't even think of many plays that were near picks. But he has got one interception since week nine, or near fumbles. Nothing. No. Nothing. They've been really good on turnover differential the second half of the year. Yeah. And that's the number one stat. Um, I don't okay. That's okay. That's something you always got to look up. Let's look at the Niners' turnover differential compared to Green Bay in the regular season. All right. The Niners finished plus 10, tied for fifth. Green Bay finished even, tied for 16th. Dallas, by the way, also was plus 10. The Lions were also even. So, all right. So the Niners are a good turnover differential team. They don't put it on the ground or anything. They've lost six fumbles all year. And uh, Purdy has suffered 11 picks. Opponents pass a rating against the Niners, 79.6. But against Green Bay, they've done a good job. Opposing pass rating, 80.8, almost identical. Hmm. They've had some picks. they got some sacks. Tyler, the Green Bay pass rush, it's reasonable to conclude they could win this game. They have the people. They got about seven pass rushers inside and outside. They could take it to that offensive line. Kyle Shanahan will have to parry that using multiple tight ends, run game, play action, whatever he's going to do. But I'm sure that's his greatest fear. Defensively, they somehow got to get after love. It's not easy, but they have a bunch of pass rushers themselves. And they have to stop this runaway Aaron Jones. Again, they have the interior people to get after Green Bay's offensive line in the run game. No question, Armstead, Hargrave, Kinlaw, those are big, experienced, really good players. Um, Green Bay's not going to have it easy on the on the ground, but they're going to have to succeed in order to win. Hey, I'm not sure if I mentioned this before. You said uh, Kevin Givens is a player you enjoy watching on film. Is that right? Yep, yep. Do you know He's that the he Penn played, State high, guy. played high school football with my cousin in Altoona, Pennsylvania? Wow, they were very good friends. Yes, he was a he was a, close to their family. Uh, wild to see him become an absolute mainstay on one of the best defensive lines in football. You know, yeah. beast at Penn State in the rotation was in the rotation San Francisco and just kind of. As they say, kept chopping wood, and, and here he is still giving them a ton of snaps. So, 
Yeah. How far is Altoona from where you grew up, Tyler? About three hours. Okay. Three and a half hours. So it was, uh, yeah, my dad's sister's son. And uh, Tyler, they were both on the line. When I ask somebody how far it is from one place to another, my generation says miles. Your generation says hours by car. It happens all the time. I'm exp- I want the answer in miles because then I'll figure out how fast I'm driving and you know what the deal is. Just tell me it's 170 miles. Three hours. I hate that, Tyler. All right. I, I, thought, you gonna, I thought you were going to go kilometers. <laughs> yeah. Right, here's a question for you. So when you're when you're making a trip with Pat, you know, you guys are hitting the open road. Are you is Bob McGinn uh busting out like the 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 atlas, like the in-print atlas, you know, those oversized things, and you getting the highlighter out the night before and kind of like mapping out your route? Are you printing out map quest directions? Or are you with uh the rest of America and you know following it on your GPS on your phone? Well, I always have an atlas with me. Because, Tyler, if something happens to your GPS and maybe you want to go see a, a tourist attraction or you want to get off the line, that little two-inch box on your uh, GPS device, that's not going to help you, buddy. You need a matlas, atlas to, to see the expanse of the area 100 miles away, 50 miles away. And if there's a big accident and if there's an accident in the freeway and you get shut down and maybe you have a chance to get off on an exit, you need the atlas to find where these small roads go. Your GPS device won't generally won't help you there. Oh, contraire. The GPS will immediately tell you there's an accident yeah. ahead. It might even say in 2.7 miles, Bob, there's a there's an accident. And uh, it'll it'll say, hey, take this alternate route to get around. Right, I'll give accident. you that. I'll give you that. The first one I won't give you. The Atlas helps when you're looking off to the sides, maybe to do something. And to just see where in the hell you are, rather than following that black red line with the arrow going through. Yeah, but are you? Do you got like the atlas? Is Pat like the co-pilot? She's holding it out, and you're. Or is it all by memory? Well, before I go anywhere, I look at the atlas for fifteen okay. minutes and check it out. And study um, it. I'll tell you something else too. I got a Michigan Gazetteer in both cars. You know. It, a 110 page all the county roads are in there you know all the gravel roads even and invariably three four times a summer when i'm driving 30 or 40 miles to play golf something will happen with accident bridge out road construction and that thing i will go in the back grab that gazetteer and find a way to get there save me many a tea time tyler well hey look i'm I'm poking fun at you, Bob, but I think if I was, uh, if, if we were all real men and real women, we would, we would do the same because I think it is very troubling for our species as humans that we need to like rely on devices for everything. Like it just takes your brain out of the equation. Like I really, I really believe this, like over the next generation to the next generation to the next gen, we're, we're just going to be dumber because we have this phone doing all the thinking for us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're obviously you know, the smart one here and long-term on exercising your brain. And, you know, I hear I am just pushing a button 
hoping for the best. The joke was on me in college once at the Daily Orange covering Syracuse basketball. You know, we traveled to all the games at our student paper, and I remember they played West Virginia. So I'm driving from, from Syracuse to Morgantown. Punched in on the GPS. And this this actually might have been pre-phone GPS. This was like in my truck GPS, like the 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 Nuvi or the Garmin, one of those things. And it said you have arrived at your destination. And I'm like on a logging trail, like in the middle of West Virginia. I had no clue where I was. It like li- took me <laughs> off the road. I'm like going up like a four-wheeling trail uh in the winter. Had to had to kind of work my way out of that jam. So yes, everybody out there, do as Bob does. Let's use our brains. Okay, now let's use our brains to talk some football. All right, let's go Green Bay-Dallas by position, Tyler, okay? And that's another thing. Sometimes I'll look at something on TV. Does anybody ever talk about personnel? It's just these issues, (laughs) isn't it? You know, it's issues. But it just comes down to personnel, man. Personnel is more important than scheme. It just is. Know your players. Then you'll know what's going to maybe happen. All right, let's go. So LaFleur comes out with those multiple tight ends on that first drive for both protection and the run game. I mean, it was just brilliant stuff by the guy. Um, All right, let's start with tight ends. Kraft, you know, I didn't think he had a very good game. Uh, You get trashed by Parsons right off the bat, uh, zero yards on a run. Made a fine catch of a low ball on a screen for five. He missed Parsons on a pull gain of one. He held Parsons on the edge, wiped out a run by Jones down to the one. Uh, he beat Gilmore on a shallow cross. I mean, he beat him in man. It was a hell of a play. Nine yards, showed speed. And then he dropped the boot at the end. He was one of the more disappointing players. But Musgrave returns, made a fine catch on a high ball. They put him right next to the sideline, this 6-6 six, six tight end. Third and four, the Cowboys cover him with Bland. And the guy just Love whips it out there like about 10 feet high, and he spears the thing for a gain of six on third and four. It was wonderful. And then the boot, he's just uncovered. I mean, I, that's just – it's not him. It's just the blown coverage by Quinn and that bunch. 38-yard throwback tight end. Uh, DeGora, man, he's coming – I don't know how many snaps he played. Let's check that out. Isaiah played 10, but he made them worthwhile. Boy, on Jones's nine-yard touchdown, he cut Parsons. Beautiful block coming across. Um, one time he got KO, uh, he gave up a knock. He got KO'd by Parsons on another, but I thought he was all right. All right, the off uh, the wide receivers. That Wicks Tyler, he is an aggressive blocker. He's going after people. I like that guy. He beat Gilmore on that twenty-yard touchdown. Froze him to the post. Gilmore's still a hell of a player. God, what a route. Dobbs, the slant against Bland down 15 yards down to the one. Killed Jordan Lewis with a great move for 39. Just precise. Kills Gilmore on the over to the corner, 46. Catches all six of his targets for 1-5-1 and a score. Unreal. Um, And I hope our listeners... uh, Check our our site, Tyler, in the next couple days regarding Romeo Dobbs. That is correct. Um, Let's see. I guess that's it. Um, uh, Watson returned. He was a non-factor. Reed, they didn't even need him 
to catch a ball. Three targets, no catches. They scored 48 points without even using Watson and Reed. Can you imagine that? And Heath wasn't a factor. Melton had a play. All right. Uh, you want me to go to the O-line or do you want to say something there, T? No, keep 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 rolling. All right. That's, that's just the offensive nuts, line. isn't it? To get the nothing out of those guys? Pardon? Oh, sorry. I was going to say, isn't it just nuts to get nothing out of Jane Reed, Christian Watson, yeah. and put up 48? All right. The O-line. Tom, I don't got him for anything negative in the passing game. He's out on the road. In what, how, what was the attendance? 90,000? That's a big stadium. 93,799. There had to be some noise, obviously. Nothing. He missed a cutoff on Gallimore for a carry that gained zero. Other than that, I got no negatives. He is really good. And that scout who said he was the most athletic offensive lineman in the 2022 draft. I will never forget him telling me that, and I will respect that guy forever. Um, The other tackle, Walker. I got no problems in passing, no negatives in the pass game on this guy. Uh, The little 14, that pygmy linebacker, Bell, he pancaked him on this carry for six, just screwed him into the ground. Uh, He got knocked back one time by Lawrence for minus two on a bad run, but that's the only negative I had. Jenkins was kind of up and down. Now, he missed Lawrence on the first play, no gain. He stuffed Otoazua into the ground on a point of attack block for 11. The Green Bay line is run blocking with strength. Um, He had a holding penalty against Parsons. He did it. He had half a bad run, and he had another half bad run against Gallimore. He was kind of up and down. Myers gave up one knockdown to Otazua in the past game. That was it. He had half a bad run when he got displaced by Hankins. Uh, and then the rotating guards, 26 for Ryan and 34 for Runyon. Runyon came off a terrific game in that finale against, who was it, the Vikings, I think? I can't even remember. But he played well, and then he was fine. And Ryan... I got him nothing in the pass protection. This is a five-football offensive line. They shut them down. And there's a lot of rushers over there. Lawrence, Parsons, Armstrong, Sam Williams, Otazua inside. That's five legit rushers. There's nothing here. Love was hardly touched. All right. Should we go to the running backs, T? All right. Uh, Aaron Jones. I mean, he's as much responsible for this victory as anybody in this last three victories. The guy, he's a great player right now, Tyler. He is a great player. Right away, he runs into uh, Walker Rashid for minus two on one of the first plays of the game. Um, All right, Lawrence jumps offside. Horrible mistake. And then Jones made him pay for the with the three-yard touchdown. Second effort on that one-yard touchdown, unreal. Uh, let's see. What do I got? He had that nice double-team block against Parsons on a pass rush. Nice, not blitz pickup, just a double-team. Uh, Parsons hurt his shoulder on that play. He made Bell. Bell had the angle on him, and he's a fast safety type guy. Uh, second and three makes a miss on the outside for a gain of five showed great vision and cut back on that nine yard touchdown 
Then LaFleur comes out and runs the exact same play on the next series, and he broke Wilson and gained 11. 131 and 22 touches, three scores. It was unreal. You know, are they fortunate Dylan's not in uniform? I hate saying that, but, yeah, it's forcing them to play Jones a lot more. And at this point, hey, who gives a damn? You know, Jones, 35 snaps. Wilson, 15. Taylor, 6. They don't need they don't need Dylan right now. It's just the way it is. All right, let's go to Love. Um, second play of the game, he held that ball, 4.9 seconds. It was a bad play. I thought, whoa, is this moment too big for him? <laughs> it crossed my mind, you know. I mean, he's caught, he got caught, sacked, running up in the pocket, but there's a penalty on Bland, illegal contact. So the play was erased. And it's like, love just, you know, clean bill of health. Clean bill. I don't, that's not on me. That play's gone. Then he just started drilling people. The sidearm to Melton for seven. Eludes pressure, eyes downfield, hits Dobbs for 26 on third and nine. His first other legit miscue, he missed through behind Reed on a slant late in the first quarter. Third and one boot on the money to a well-covered craft uh, for nine. Caught Dallas subbing, got him in a timeout, got Dan Quinn there. Third and seven on the Dallas 20. They rush six. He backs away. The touchdown to Wicks. Bell was leaping at his face on the throw. Second half. Play action just brought up both inside backers. Hits Dobbs for 46. Kind of a lob, and Parsons hit him on the throw. People running wide open. Uh, horrible play by the Cowboys secondary. And Love saw they were so wide open, and he wasn't going to try to be fancy. He got him the damn ball one way or another. Joe Witt, Al Harrison, Scott McCurley coaching the back uh, seven on that defense. Sidearm touchdown to Dobbs. Five footballs. Uh, that's it on the offense. Seven touchdowns, right, Tyler? Yep. Seven scores, six by the offense. And Alexander's game a short field at the 19. So a lot of drives. How many yards? 415 yards. All right, T, that's it on the O. The very rare five footballs. Hard to nitpick on that one. Exactly. I get All right. that that's it's hard to like maybe the Giants game. When's the last time this offense seemed out of sync? I feel like it's been a bit. The Giants, huh? Yeah. 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 They weren't great against the Bears, but they were okay. All right, now the defense. Um Cowboys are 8-0 at home, right? It averaged about 38 or something. All right, let's look at the front. Um so when I start doing this NFC North, which will appear on our site later, you'll find out some more things, but uh Slayton, man, right away stuffed Biotish game, no game. Wyatt, he got trapped early on a seven-yard run. He got a hurry. See, I didn't think the pass rush was very good, and I I really didn't. I mean, Dallas knew they were going to be throwing that ball and that they had to throw it, and the rush was not there here. Dallas got a really good front, better than I even thought. Um, Kenny Clark, no pass rush. Rashawn Gary, 
two hurries. One, he missed a sack. He only had two hurries. And how many dropbacks? I mean, I'll forget that. Preston Smith, he was doing, got zip going against Tyron Smith until he got the sack on the end. At the end, in 3.4 seconds, it was a hell of a play uh, around the corner. He had one batted ball. He also jumped off sides. Uh, Angabari, you know, you talk about being physical. Tyler Smith is a beast, that left guard. And he comes pulling over, you know, he's taking five strides. And Angabari steps in there to take him on. It was early in the game. Man, I loved how he did it, how physical he was. He didn't give himself up. He took it down low, squatted, and and Smith, he didn't really give ground, and then he kind of squeezed the hole. It was wonderful work by Anigbari. He's a tough guy, man. He was Tyler Smith. You don't. He's one of the hardest hitting guards in the league. Um, Anigbari had a holding penalty. He had a knockdown, and he had a hurry. He might have been the best pass rusher. Van S got a sack against Tyron Smith. It was kind of stick to itiveness. It took four point five seconds, but still. That's got to give Van Ness a lot of confidence going in there against uh, Trent Williams, the uh, unbelievable Trent Williams. Uh, he also had a flush later against Tyron Smith. So the young guys probably outrushed the old guys. Uh, I guess that's it on the front seven. Uh, Colby Wooden made a really nice play on a screen. Uh, Brooks was a non-factor. Uh, let's go to the linebackers, Tyler. Uh, Quay Walker. Boy, he took on a pulling Ferguson, the tight end. Chattered his teeth. It was a gain of two, but it was, it was really a smack. He eluded Zach Marner for a gain of one. Uh, the horse collar was a bad call. He got beat deep by Pollard. And the ball was overthrown. On the goal line. He plays too high. He's just not in hitting position, and he just he can't stop anybody down there. You know, bend your knees and get down, get low. McDuffie, he was up and down. I mean, he had a quick close on Ferguson in the flat for no gain. Uh, he played for Campbell on early downs, and Campbell replaced him on passing downs. That was interesting. Um, he did some good things, and he was up and down. Canada missed tackle in the flat, dropped an interception. Uh, I guess that's it on the linebackers, T. Now the secondary. All right, so Alexander warmed up, they said, during before the game with his injury. And uh, the interception to Cooks on that pivot route is a great play. I mean, he physicaled him. He got the call, no call, and he made a great play. I mean, it was an unbelievable play. Unreal. At the 19, set up a touchdown. That's how you win games, doing things like that, and that's what he can do. Um, he got beat on an in by Gallup for 17, and then he left with a left left ankle injury. Didn't play after that. Don't know how he is. Uh, they started Valentine. Played pretty darn good. He played terrific, I thought. And then Valentine replaced Alexander, and he had a really long day. He finally looked like the guy who missed a year or so of football. Lamb beat him deep for 47. Um, in route to Gallup for 20. So they got to hope uh, Alexander's back, no doubt. But the Niners will make Alexander tackle. That's for darn sure. You know how McCaffrey runs left behind Williams? Yeah. That's right where Alexander is. 
their whole run game is left-oriented, he's going to have to tackle. Um, Nixon had a very busy game. Comes up fast and got a sack, forcing a punt. I mean, I loved it. He had illegal contact against Lamb. He broke up a fade to Lamb at the one. He came off the slot and made a tackle for a gain of two. Third and two, he stopped Prescott for a gain of one. He missed a tackle on Lamb on third and five, got the first down. He missed a tackle on Pollard. He made a fine breakup on a deep ball to Lamb. Very busy. I kind of liked the way he played. Uh, that position was a position of tremendous strength, all four guys in the NFC North, and it's just a tough call on how to rank them. Um, and then Owens, you know, I loved it. C.D. Lamb kind of dropped that third and eight ball that was a little too far for him. Ah, you could see Owens trash-talking him right in his face. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're a great story on the guy. Jonathan Owens in there trash-talking Lamb. I loved it, you know. Yeah. Jack wasn't going to take any shit, were they, you know. <laughs> it was awesome. They had a 50-50 ball to Ferguson. Ferguson took it away from him for 22. And then he got a hurry late in the game. So that's it on the secondary. You know, the Cowboys ran 95 plays in this game. And the Packers, I mean, you might want to rip LaFleur for getting some of these people out, but I think it was smart. That's a problem for Green Bay, the defensive defensive players. Nobody played all 95, but Valentine played 90, Owens 89, Nixon 89, oh, Savage 79. We didn't get to Savage. But that's a lot of snaps, and that could be a factor for another game way out on the West Coast. Fortunately, it's a young team. But I know football people – Think about that all the time. How many snaps, wear and tear on your body. That's not good for the Packer D. Conversely, the Packer offense only had five, six snaps. All right, we forgot uh, the best play of all by uh, Savage. Um, all right, he made a good hit on Cooks on the reverse, and then the interception. Looked like he baited him, Tyler. He kind of went to that first, uh, the first post to Cooks, the first slant, and then he came off it when he saw, as expected, he'd be throwing it to Lamb. Maybe he saw the disconnect between Prescott and Lamb and the pressure Prescott felt to throw the ball to Lamb. I mean, he's never made – he just does not make big plays. He's been a disappointment this year. But this was a tremendous catch, and he was gone 64 yards. What a play by Darnell Savage. Unreal. And then uh, he gave up a touchdown to Ferguson and man on seven, seven yarder. Uh, the kicking game was really good. Carlson, well, he missed the extra point off the left upright. He made six of his kickoffs, eight of them all above 4.0. Whalen, terrific. Three punts all inside the 10 at the eight, at the nine, at the eight, three fair catches. Um, Turpin had a 47-yard kickoff return. Ballantyne gave up the outside. McDuffie had a couple really good hits on kickoffs. Uh, the hustle by that uh, the Johnson guy, Anthony Johnson, on the kickoff return, he got the hold on Jalen Tolbert, set the Cowboys way back. And Reed, man, that onside kick right through the wickets, unforgivable, but Musgrave got the ball. That's it on the pack, Tyler. Not worried about the kicking? I think that's probably a concern for uh, the Packer fans listening. Seeing another missed extra. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. 
Six out of seven, that's pretty good for Olanders. <laughs> I guess they didn't move the extra point back, so. <laughs> I always th- thought the same thing, though, watching kickoffs. Remember when Mason Crosby went through his his really, really rough stretch? Was that yeah. 2012, 2013? I can't quite remember. One of those years. 12, I think, Tyler. Well, that's right, because then Giorgio Tavecchio came in for competition that next spring. But even when he was missing those field goals and extra points, whatever, I think he I think he missed an extra point. And it was like he'd always come back and just destroy the football on the kickoff. And it was such a small thing that kind of would go a little unnoticed. But I'm like, oh, the fact that he's just still kicking off here pretty good, confidence-wise, I'm thinking mental. Like with these kickers, like if he was really inside of his own head, who the hell knows where that ball's going to go? Uh, and he worked through it. I mean, he really had to work through it. But I don't think Green Bay gives up on this kicker quite yet. The kickers are funny. I mean, they can go south in a hurry. Uh, so one subtle concern on the road for Green Bay here. Great breakdown. What do you say? We want to move on to uh, the Detroit Lions. Yeah. So, which... Tyler, so, Ty, let's not discuss Jared Goff and Stafford and the Rams, okay? And let's not discuss their first playoff victory in 32 years and the scene at Detroit. I'm not – it's just beaten so much. Let's just kind of look at the people and how this one-point victory unfolded, you know? Were the Lions impressive? Not really. Do they look like a team that can win the Super Bowl? Maybe. Maybe. But I just didn't think they were that good in this game. And, and they have limitations, you know. And they won a game, and now they're favored against the Bucks by like four and a half, I think it is. So let's look at what, what happened in this game. Um, I give Laporte a lot of credit. He played 45 out of 56 snaps on that knee with that big old lineman brace on him. First play of the game, he pulls and goes and hits uh, Ernest Jones. Man, I, I thought he buckled. The, the gain was 10 by Montgomery. I thought he buckled and went sent back. I thought, whoa, that might be the last play of the game. But he came back and kept playing. Um, he only caught three balls. uh Goff realized he wasn't himself, and he didn't really feature him, didn't look for him that much. Fourth and one touchdown, um, though, right? I mean, that was a pretty big play. It was. Yeah, you're right. Now, Ferkser, you did a story on Andrew Ferkser, right? Anthony. Yeah, Anthony Ferkser, yeah. He played four snaps. Did you see him, Tyler? So, yeah, that would have been a story in the early go-long days. He was with Tennessee. I believe mm-hmm. they had... They had just traded for Julio Jones, or acquired Julio Jones, I should say. And so uh, the the story was, man, if you've got Julio, you've got Derrick Henry, it's going to open something up at that tight end (laughs) position. Anthony Ferkser, he was was, uh, nice to talk to, decent decent background. Not not one of the more memorable stories at, at our uh, at our website here, but I'll say this on Anthony Berkser. When I was in Detroit for that Aline McNeil story a few weeks back, he was playing ping pong in the locker room against somebody. 
I can't remember who. And, you know, we've been in a lot of these locker rooms and ping pong is set up in most of these locker rooms. I feel like I've never seen a better ping pong player than Anthony Ferkser in my life in person. <laughs> Un-freaking-believable. Like, Forrest Gump style, standing way behind the table, just like flailing his arm, kill shots. God, who was he playing against? Because whoever he's playing against was returning it. I mean, they were had some amazing volleys. And I think I was talking to Josh Reynolds or David Blau or somebody in there a little too close to the table. They probably didn't like, you know, I'm getting a little, little too close there because they needed the space. Uh, but then, yeah, I saw they let, like, he was on the practice squad, then they let him go, then they brought him back. So here he is in the playoffs, doing a little tight end. They lost Mitchell with an injury during practice this week, their number two tight end. Surgery, out for the year. So that's how Ferkser got moved up to number three. So they had a limping Laporta and Wright coming off an injury, hadn't played in about a month, and Ferkser. So they didn't have a lot of weapons, really. Um, you know, Mitchell's a pretty good young tight end. Uh, the receiving game, Reynolds was jacked up against his former team, tore him up early, played good. Uh, Jameson Williams, 39 snap. Tyler, he's just running decoy routes all the time. He just comes off the line of scrimmage like a bat out of hell. You got to recognize him, you got to respect it. And then people are St. Brown's doing stuff underneath. They only threw him two balls. He he, he ran a good comeback against Lake for 13. I, I don't know. St. Brown. Oof. So he's playing against Akello Weatherspoon, right? Third and five, sideline stop. Weatherspoon's all over him. Broke a tackle, gain of 14. That was when it was 0-0. Third and 15, beats the guy on a slot corner for 23 and man. Kills Witherspoon off the line on a fade for 29 on third and six. Option route against Heck, the linebacker who had no chance, gain a 16. The guy's just a money player, man. He's really good. Um, anything else about the receivers? Khalifa Raymond's was down. Uh, tight ends, that's it. All right, let's go to the old line. Um, they did a really good job against Aaron Donald, no doubt. Uh, who do I really want to cite here? Well, let's just, you know, the last play of the game when Campbell decided to throw and they threw the hook to uh, St. Brown for 11. On that play, it was a rarity. Jonah Jackson, the left guard, had Donald man-to-man. I really don't know how the Rams were able to get that and how the Lions allowed that to happen. It was man-to-man. That was a great play by Jackson to hold him out of there. He stuffed him right at the line of scrimmage, and Goff had time to get that away. It was a great, really terrific. Jackson's been kind of up and down this year. He gave up one hurry to Donald. Um, let's go to the center, Ragnell. He had a hold, one knockdown, played good. Let's go to Sewell. You know, I know some people think Sewell, he's not as good as Trent Williams. But he's really good. I mean, he pulls on uh, on Gibbs' 10-yard touchdown, made a great great block on the thing. But he gave up a knockdown and a forced fumble to Donald. Gives up a knockdown to Heck on third and five incompletion. He whiffs on Aaron Donald with 230 left on a run for only one. I just expect so much out of Sewell. 
And I got to admit, in the last five or six games, there's been a, one too many misses for me. Decker um, gave up a knockdown, a miss in the run, a false start on fourth and five, and a hurry. Uh, he was pretty good. Glasgow, the veteran guard, who's replaced Vitae at right guard. I mean, the guy's had a great year. He shows pop in the run game. He really does. He didn't have any problems in protection. He might have been their best player in this game. Um, and that's So let's go to the backs. Um, they both had 68 yards running and receiving. Montgomery, 15 touches. Gibbs had 12. Let's go to Gibbs first. Whew. Boy, he broke that. Hocked or hacked on a check down for 14. He gained an extra 10 on the play. 10-yard touchdown. He skipped out of that tackle by uh, Yeast at the five. Swing pass, fine hands catch, broke three tackles, gain of 17. Ernest Jones had the angle on him over on left end. He outran him to the break point, gain of 11. Jones is a factor. And Montgomery, he's a pick-and-slide runner, Tyler. He does have shake and bake. He gave up a sack to Ernest Jones and zero. Right flat at the end there, the first first down. He made heck miss on the flat for gain of 11, first down. Huge play. Now let's go to Jared Goff. He was, I mean, there was a uh, pressure, but he probably won't have played. Uh, his play action stuff was just wow. He had a great start. He got Aaron Donald to jump off sides. He was in the grasp. He tr- attempted that backward pass. It was a horrible decision. It's the only one he made. He stumbled into a sack. His foot caught a lineman. So with 8-10 left, he started out his own 25 with a one-point lead. They go 3-0. and out. He got one more chance. 4-0-7 left. Up by one, starting out on the seventh. Montgomery makes the first first down with a great run. Second one, Jackson stops Donald. He hits St. with the hook, play they've run a million times, beat late, Campbell's the balls uh, to call the thing. Um, somewhat looked off, looking to Laporta right first, and then came back to St. Brown. So Goff uh, had a terrific game, and you got to hand it to him, and they won the thing by one point. Any thoughts on the OT? I think that uh... – this it wasn't it wasn't pretty late like you said I, I don't really know what to make of the Detroit Lions long term watching this win but yeah. did, didn't it just seem like a a Dan Campbell game like I, I you turn it on there's Eminem lose yourself getting the whole stadium rocking I'm sure you're well versed in the song Lose Yourself from from Eight Mile right Bob absolutely <laughs> you probably do know that I mean you're you're there in Michigan I do, I do. Yes, yes. Yeah, did you watch Eight Mile? Did you see the movie? Oh yeah, I saw that. The battle at the end and all that good stuff. Yeah, all right. I've seen that. Yeah. So you got that. You got you got all that right, rock and Ford Field. And just and just say like <laughs> yeah. the, like Laporta's playing on one bad knee, fourth and one touchdown. Amon Ra. This is all like early in the game. Remember that catch he had? Turns around, stops on a dime. I forget what ram it was. It was. Such an unbelievably athletic play that I just like I'm I'm sitting there eating my wife's uh, potato soup like a like a like a bum on the couch like 
Man, what an athletic play that is. Isn't that funny? Like when you when you're just doing something like really lazy and you just you see, you see somebody pull off a stunt like that, it's like holy. <laughs> I could never do that in a million years. Like it was so subtle. It was so subtle, but he made it look he made like an unbelievably difficult thing look so easy. Uh and then yeah, the, the defense hangs on. You, you throw a 54-yard field goal in there, the speech at the end of the game. I don't know. I just I, I feel like Campbell just it's like a it, it was such an exercise in survival like right down to that last drive that you cite that why can't why can't they go to the Super Bowl I I don't know I, I just feel like this team we've talked about it all year they they've got a spirit and that 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 means something on a neutral field right now what would the spread be Lions and Green Bay on a neutral field and that's a good question. Even? Maybe Detroit by one, two? Yeah. 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 Something Maybe like that. Thanksgiving right. is a little too fresh in my mind, but in the way Green Exactly. Exactly. All right. Um, I got to say right off the top, Tyler, and I've seen him all these years. I could watch Matthew Stafford throw that football every day of the week. He's got a golden arm, doesn't he? The mm-hmm. release. The delivery, it's all just so beautiful, man. It's picture perfect. Golden arm. I mean, he gets drilled by McNeil, who wrecks his hand, and then, you know, the cameras show him laughing with McNeil and back and forth. I don't know if you saw that, but the noise was so extreme. Did you see they had a close-up of the Ram huddle in the first quarter? Everybody was just squeezing in, just getting circling getting close to hear Stafford's voice in the huddle. <laughs> it seemed nonstop. You know, Campbell the other day, he said, uh, that is arguably the best environment I've been, I've ever been in. That was absolutely electric. Now the loudest I've ever heard was I've said this Minnesota at new Orleans in that NFC title game in like, Oh, eight, but Dan coached in new Orleans for those four or five years. Uh, I don't know, but it was loud. Okay, Hutchinson. Now, both his sacks were just crawl-ons. He didn't even do anything. So that's, you know, the, the, uh, what I want to say, all these times he gets close and hasn't gotten a sack. Well, these two are just cheapos, but they all come up as sacks. But he also had a knockdown, a flush, a hurry, a knockdown, and a flush. He did good work against Havenstein, the ex-Badger who's really had an outstanding career as a right tackle. He got that holding penalty on Havenstein, third and four at the Detroit 34 with 420 left. It was as big a play as there was in the entire game. Um, The other rusher now, they've gone with Akwara over Charles Harris, his brother Julian Akwara. Bruce Irvin's gone. Houston has not returned from IR. They're grab-bagging. They're a team in the divisional playoff, and they're grab-bagging not only as the other edge guy, but inside. So Akwara, he had a miss on a bubble screen for 21. He got run over. I thought it was terrible. And he missed Nakua when he dropped in his, into a zone blitz coverage. Third and eight, he missed the tackle. I didn't think he played very well. Um, now on the inside, we got McNeil, who's their second-best rusher, and he had a terrific game. But the other spot – Benito Jones, who had had the most snaps all year in there, 
11 snaps. Alou Alou, the guy they got, they signed off the street, the ex-Steeler Jaguar. He plays 22. Bugs is gone. They ended up playing Pascal, who's only about 290. He played 43 snaps. So I know the Bucks don't run the ball very good. And Green Bay or Detroit tends to load the box. But boy, that defensive line is shaky, Tyler. Thank God for them. They got McNeil back. He was terrific. Knocked down against Dotson. Knocked down against Shelton. Stuffs against uh, Dotson on a run play. Half a knockdown against Dotson. Stuffed Dotson on a running play. Stuffed Avila uh, on a running play for no gain. Whew, that's six plays right there, T. I mean, he. you did the story on him. That guy, if they don't have him, they do not win this game. Uh, and then Kaminsky, he was okay, 22 snaps. Onzawuriki, 13 snaps. They're just operating by the seat of their pants at cornerback and at the whole D-line. All they got is Hutchinson and McNeil, really, Tyler. They got two guys out of four positions. I I don't know. That's why they won this game by one point. You know, it was not no dominance at all. And they're at home with a passionate crowd. All right, uh, linebacker. Anzalone is just so intense. I mean, he he's so fast. He's so violent. Now he wrecked his shoulder. He came back with a shoulder harness on. He's like indestructible. He's just a really good player. Uh, Campbell, uh, Jack, he's a hustler, a heavy hitter. Uh, he's got instincts. He's got length and uh, zone drops. He's not great right now. I think he's going to be better, but he's become a pretty solid player right now. So he and Anzalone and then Barnes, the violent guy, he didn't do much in this game. All right, let's go to the secondary. Well, we got to go to corner, right? Seat of the pants stuff, Tyler. Hmm. They wanted Mosley. They thought he'd be, if not their number one, he'd be their number two. And that was a, a real blow. So Cam Sutton, you know, the first six, seven, eight weeks, he played pretty good because he's so disciplined and poised, professional. But now the big plays have started to mount. It's basically every week. And Nakua catches nine out of 10 for 181. That's that fourth astronomical game in a row by wide receivers, two by Jefferson and one by somebody else. All right. Stutter and go against Nakua, a 50-yard touchdown. On third and one, I mean, you know, he's trying to defend the sticks, gets beat, it's over. He made a nice, uh, but hey, Tyler, that pass breakup to Nakua at the 25 with 4.16 left, I believe that was the Rams' last snap from scrimmage. Terrific play by Sutton. I mean, he gave one and he got one. Now let's go to Vildor, the ex-Bear. You know, I talked to some people regarding this NFC North team. Vildor is a man player. But the Bears cut him, and I think Jacksonville cut him, I think. Third and 16, they throw the out to Demarcus Robinson for 20 against him. The 38-yard touchdown, he missed the tackle. You know, he had a near breakup. I mean, he went for the ball. It was really close to a, a tremendous breakup. But he missed, and he wasn't in position to make the tackle, and the guy went an extra 21. Looks like he blew a coverage against Cooper Cup. The ball was overthrown incomplete. 
missed a tackle on that backup tight end, Al, and gain a 22. Did have a couple nice tackles. The Nickelback, they've been really good there all year. Branch had a P.I. against Nakua on third and one, but he batted a ball. He's very physical. Uh, covered well on a fade, incomplete in man coverage. The safeties, Gardner Johnson, 38. Joseph, 37. Malifano, 42. Malifano was a non-factor. Joseph had a personal foul pulling somebody off a pile. And yeah. He had a PBU on a bomb to Robinson. Uh, the cross uh, missed a tackle on that crossing pattern for 35. And then he knocked out Higby's knee on that uh, gain of, uh, or the incomplete pass. And then Gardner Johnson. I thought he was really poor early. I mean, he, he missed a tackle at the end of the Nakua touchdown. He had a hold against Higby. Fourth and five, he's late reacting to that motion by Cup, and it was a gain of six. That's when Glenn was all over him. But then he came back with a couple hard tackles, and he made a nice uh, coverage off turbo motion down there uh, on the ball to Cup. So that's it on there. Let's go to the special teams. Badgley hit from 54. You know, he's not supposed to be able to do that. It was a huge kick. His kickoffs were fine. One miss hit out of five. And Jack Fox, the punter, just like Whalen, three balls, uh, terrific. Four nine six at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. Flipped the field, fifty nine yards. Four nine six, fair catch. That's unreal. So that's the Lions, Tyler. They prevail uh, barely, and uh, and they move on to play the Bucks. First thought: You'd rather be grab bagging for D lineman than grab assing. <laughs> On the D line, <laughs> the first thing we had, we had a coach back in high school, George Witcher. He was the JV coach and then the assistant to Tim Bergen on the varsity. He coached my dad at Salamanca institution really? here in Western New York. God rest his soul, George Witcher. Oh my God, he'd give us big old thick packets of plays. This is Class D, the smallest classification in New York State, but man, we knew what every team was going to run because of George. But that was one of his lines. Don't be grab assing. Don't be grab assing. <laughs> what do you think of like the literal explanation of it? Like what? Like back in the day, did people just grab each other's asses? Like when they're messing around? Like <laughs> how did? What was the origins of grab assing? I'm I'm not quite quite sure. Uh, but yes, the Lions are seeking solutions, and this was a very skin of skin of our teeth kind of game. If you're on the Lions defense, like. I'm glad you pointed out that play by by Sutton there at the end. It's like the Rams, they they'd get right down there too. They ended the, with the two chip shot field goals. I mean the the bend but bend but bend but bend and don't break kind of a approach. They survive. See how long they can they can play that way cuz I'm telling you Tampa Bay they can put the ball in the air. They can get Kate Otten and now as a weapon. With Evans and Godwin, they'll be able to stretch the field. Rashad White's a damn good player, even if they don't dominate on the ground. Uh, man, he is he is tough. You know, the gut feeling is Detroit, and it's actually six and a half. I just looked it up, the spread, six and a half. Wow. Would not be surprised one bit if Tampa Bay went into forward field and won this game. I think Tampa Bay is damn good. I've thought it for a while. Hmm. They've just got gnarly 
gnarly core leaders on, on, on the defense, especially uh, Baker Mayfield should be comeback player of the year. He's throwing to the best receivers he's ever had in his career. The line's playing well. Um, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to hmm. be close. Yeah. You think the Bucks are better than the Rams, Tyler? I do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Although, okay. I say that. And I'm going to pull up the schedule. Didn't the Rams like pound the Bucks at some point this year? I don't know. Um, I just right right now the way they're playing, I think Baker may. That was a concern going into their game against Philly. What's his health with the ribs? You know, he had the extra day. I mean, he he threw for three thirty seven and three touchdowns, no picks. Um, they actually ran the ball a little better too against Philly. You know, and I, I get it. Philly's Philly's an absolute mess, but oh no, they didn't play the Rams this year. So they did play the Lions. You know, way way back in Tampa, lost twenty to six. Mayfield had a mm-hmm. had a bad game. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of went into a little bit of a tailspin. And completely turned their season around. That was at Tampa? At Tampa. Okay, I don't remember that. Okay. But yeah, kind of a go-long bowl here, Bob. We uh we had some extensive uh stories on both of these teams back in training camp. Mm-hmm. Carlton Davis, he said, Hey, Bye. anybody who thinks yeah. we're not gonna do anything is in for a rude awakening post Tom Brady here. We're gonna Quote unquote wreck shit. Plays <laughs> will be made. And he made a play. He made he might have made the play of the game uh, when Philly fourth down went to the end zone and he broke it up. <laughs> yeah. I, like it wasn't that long ago that they had Patrick Mahomes running for his life. Uh the team's changed a lot since then, but you still mm-hmm. got like Davis, Antoine Winfield, Devin White, uh Vita Vea, Shaquille Barrett. You know, some core guys at each level. Hmm. So, yeah. You no, know, if I can just add one more thought here on the Lions, uh, yeah. Jared Goff, just that Dan Campbell's post game speech got me thinking, which was awesome. I mean, check it out if you haven't checked it out, everyone listening. But he ended it with, you're good enough for Detroit and kind of threw him the ball. And Jared Goff brings everybody in. And man, I just, race back to uh that conversation we had at the end of 2020 so he's still with Sean McVay still with the Rams but at the time McVay had publicly been calling him out uh and I think he's regretted it since and how he's kind of how he kind of treated Jared Goff on the way out but you know you've brought this up again and again and again on the pod how Jared Goff doesn't even show any emotion never calls guys out on the field right a mistake a drop anything yeah doesn't roll his eyes, doesn't say a word, nothing. I mean, he is just a quintessential leader of a football team. So I was just thinking, man, like they, seeing that emotion, it's it was pretty obvious this game meant a lot to Jared Goff. Sean McVay just dumped him. He just sent him out to pasture. Here we go. We're shipping you off as collateral damage. We're, we're going to give him all these picks too. Just get the hell out of here. And Detroit took it on. Detroit believed him. It, it's Everything you hear is so true, but just I went back and looked at some of his comments then to try to look for for hints or anything because he doesn't say much. Obviously, um, I'll just share these. He's, this is conversation with Jared Goff toward the end of 2020, last year with the Rams, last year with McVay. Uh, you know, the theme is kind of like him always getting the blame for things, really, because that, that's what it was with the Rams. They win a game, 
McVay's the boy genius. McVay is dialing it all up. They lose anything, Jared Goff stinks, right? It's all Goff. He's holding them back. And then that trade was like the rubber stamp, like testimony by Sean McVay and the Rams, like blaming Jared Goff for where that offense went. Not not necessarily the X's and O's. Maybe, you know, not necessarily defense just catching up to what you were doing on offense, Sean McVay. It was all kind of put on Goff. And in the moment of that, I mean, he, he didn't even really flinch. So um, this is Jared Goff, quote, everybody can play quarterback and be happy and talk to the media when you're winning games and throwing for a million touchdowns and everything's going your way. I think that's the easy part. It's when things aren't going your way. The offense is struggling. You're struggling. The team's struggling. And there's some divisiveness maybe going on within the team. At that point, how do you make it right? How do you take care of business and do what you're supposed to do as the quarterback? I think that's the part I've always enjoyed, making things right and being that backbone for the team when they need it. Off the field, you're the leader of 53 guys. You're the leader of the organization. You have to be able to handle those situations gracefully. And at the same time, it's being the person you are and being genuine. Man, didn't that kind of say everything we need to know about how he just steps into this rebuilding team yeah. and turn things around to get to this point? Yep. Hmm. He's quite a guy, no doubt about it. Yep. Want to give us a prediction on Lions-Bucks? No, I'm going to think about that, Tyler. Mm-hmm. I got to think about that one for the site. I overextended myself on this Niner Packer game, so I'm gonna. <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna hold on the. I'm gonna hold on the Lions. Okay, make it memory. All right, so this is going to be on one person today, okay? Mister Johnny Holland, second round pick, Green Bay, 1987, Texas A&M, six one and a half. Came out at about 225, ran in the 4-7 area. Everything back then is kind of nebulous on the times. From Belleville, Texas, he was a high school quarterback, went to AM as a QB. But anyway, I knew about this, but it certainly just came back, thrown into my face when I was looking at Peter King's column on Monday. So Johnny Holland is the linebacker coach for the 49ers who will play the Packers Sunday, guys, right? Yeah. Sunday or Saturday? Green Bay and San Francisco. Saturday. 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 Okay. Well, Johnny um, is their linebacker coach, and he is suffering. In 2019, he was diagnosed with myeloma, an incurable form of cancer. And uh, Peter was out there in November in Santa Clara, and he went uh, he went with Johnny. Johnny's still coaching. He's had all, various kinds of uh, – therapy and treatment and uh, he's stepped away from the team once or twice in the last five years right now it's in remission at this point and you'll see Johnny along the sidelines uh, I've seen him in games um, and Peter went to a treatment center and he described it as there's about 20 people there in the office um, most of them were quite sick looking and anxious and Holland radiated optimism, saying, hello, how's your day to everyone? Johnny said, people don't like to talk about it, but we're all going to die. You don't have a letter with an expiration date on your life. One person knows my expiration date, God. Fulfilling your purpose while you're here is more important than trying to figure out how long you're going to live. So Johnny's got along. Uh, this thing 
and um, he's an inspiration to his to his team. And um, now I'm going to tell you what I know about the guy. Um, Fred Warner said, if you've met Johnny for the first time, you'd never know anything was wrong. The life that he brings, the energy he brings day in and day out, it's unbelievable. And Peter asked Johnny, do you, do you ever say, why me? And Johnny goes, nah. And I can hear Johnny saying that, that Texas accent. Is, nah, why not me? I'm glad it's me and not someone else I love. God built me for this. I've learned in sports, the game's not over till there's no time left on the clock. This is the game of life I'm playing. So I'll just tell you a little bit about what I know about Johnny, okay? Um, yeah. I covered him for seven years, Tyler. And Peter didn't include this in the story. He may have remembered it. But he also had, now I wouldn't use the word tragic, but an unfortunate end to his career. He played seven years, started almost every game, but at the uh, in 87, led the team in tackles several times, over 100 tackles, uh, six of those seven years, started right from the get-go alongside Brian Noble, and really for bad teams, by and large, until Mike Holmgren came. In the press guide, Lee Remmel, who really wrote all those bios back then, let's face it, he was the only PR guy, he described Johnny... <laughs> as an intently religious man, intently. And I think he is. Um, my dealings with him, when he finally retired, my lead was inside linebacker Johnny, one of the Green Bay Packers' most consistent and conscientious performers, and he truly was. Well, he suffered a, uh, a herniated cervical disc late in the 92 season, missed the last two games, and he had a fusion on one twelve ninety three cervical vertebrae fusion. Came back, played the entire season, but I didn't think he was quite himself in 93. Wasn't quite as forceful as a hitter. Then after that season, Brian Noble retired because of a knee injury. Mark D'Onofrio was done because of that neck injury officially. And then Johnny Holland. So Johnny was a, a free agent. This is the start of unrestricted free agency. He went to Detroit. They passed him on. They flunked him on the physical. And then he comes back to Green Bay. And finally, on May 28th, uh, May 21st, he retires because a second herniated cervical disc in his back was discovered in another MRI. So he had two of them. Uh, I interviewed Johnny at the time, and that was a real blow to the Packers. Um and uh, he said, I can't complain. I feel fortunate that my dreams of playing in the NFL came true. Ron Wolf always called him John Holland. He's the only guy who called him John. I'd never heard that from anybody else. But that's what Wolf said. So Holmgren was asked about, uh, about Johnny Holland. He said, I think the world of him. Now, he coached him for two years, okay? He was as consistent a player as we had. He was a leader, not only by example, but vocally. He was as valuable as any player we've had here. Deeply religious, committed, do exactly what you want. Always on, always on, a, uh, on an uptick. I can just think of the fun we had around the locker room. That guy was a treat. He's a great person. And another thing I just want to mention, you know, 
there's a lot of games between Green Bay and San Francisco, you know? I mean, a lot of great games, wins and losses. I was part of some of my best memories are in that candlestick press box and, and locker room. But the one that sticks out more than any other to me, I swear to God it is, is that game on uh, 1989, December's uh 19 1989 at candlestick i don't know they must have been a 20 point underdog and green bay won that game 21 to 17 over a niner team that never lost again and won the super bowl that's montana and rice and everybody else i still can't believe that happened it was the greatest victory for green bay since the ice ball i know we go the 95 divisional game at candlestick and that has more impact in terms of playoffs and what it's what's the game's really about, but this game was such a shock. And in this game, I'm looking at my uh, Packer critique. Johnny Allen had the hit of the day in a helmet to helmet collision with fullback, Tom Rathman. Holland had a game high eight tackles. So Johnny, he'll be on the sidelines. He's fighting cancer. Um, The 49ers love him. He's got great linebackers might be the best position in the league with Greenlaw and uh, Warner. And he'll be on there, and he'll be smiling. He'll be intent. The guy coached for 10 teams. He coached in the Packers after he retired for about five or six. Seattle, Detroit, Houston, Oakland, Cleveland, and San Francisco. Two teams in the CFL, Saskatchewan and British Columbia, and one in the United Football League, the Virginia Destroyers. Johnny Holland is the truth, man. This is one great person. Um, And that's it, Ty. Eloquently said, man, that was great. I'm I'm so glad you went this direction with the with the memory, Bob, because I'm not gonna lie, I I absolutely expected you to go 95 divisional round, Wayne Simmons, lighten up Adam Walker, Craig Newsom, <laughs> you know, off to the races. And then that was really the game that kind of catapulted the Packers into the next stratosphere in the 90s. But man, to hear what Johnny Holland was, was really like as a person with everything he's going through today. Um, thank, thank you for sharing that so much. It's, you know, I only had one interaction with him. It was at the journal Sentinel doing a story on all these guys with their neck injuries. I think, you know, shortly after Nick Collins, his career was mm-hmm. done, you know, no, it was, it would have been after Jermichael Finley. So you had like Finley Collins, Terrence Murphy, Johnny Holland, um, maybe Tremor was in there, a bunch of players their careers ended in green Bay with various neck injuries. And I just called him out of the blue and he dropped everything and chatted for, hmm. I don't know, half hour. I think he was up in Canada at the really? time coaching. I think he was coaching the BC lions or something. Yeah. And he couldn't have been, couldn't have been more friendly. Yeah. It was hmm. a very pleasant conversation because, and you think about it, like a lot of stories are like this. You call somebody out of the blue to discuss what may be a very traumatic topic. Oh, hey, let's talk about that injury that, well, in his case, he returned, but he wasn't the same. But a lot of these guys, it was, yeah, your career ended. What was that like? Uh, But yeah, it's always good to hear what somebody's like away from the cameras uh, day to day. He uh, he helped me on Tuesday when I was doing the scouting report, calling around the league, you know, trying to get guys on their game plan day. I must have talked to him six, seven times over the years. Always friendly. This is a sweetheart. John, John Holland, as Ron would say. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All 
Alrighty. Well, I think that will do it for this edition of the Ty and Bob pod. Thank you everyone for listening. We greatly appreciate you. Um, go long supported by our readers, our listeners, 100%. So if you can share golongtd.com with a friend, with a family member, we would be incredibly, incredibly grateful. Uh, it's the playoffs, baby. Got a lot of features planned, a lot of podcasts, a lot of columns, and then it doesn't end there. The draft will be around the corner, and Bob McGann is bringing his 40th annual draft series to go along. Cannot wait for that. So if you're a fan of another team, it's out of the playoffs. Rest assured, we'll provide uh, all the draft content you need before you know it. Thank you so much, and thank you, Bob, for taking all this time. Thanks a lot, listeners.